0: Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in And the end zone. it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big BJ Raji for the touchdown!
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and this week's going to be a little bit different because there's not a Packers game to preview this week. It is wildcard weekend in the NFL, and If you ask Matt LaFleur, he doesn't really know what that is. So the Packers will be waiting and watching the games this week to see who their opponent will be in the divisional round. But before we touch on those games and give our quick thoughts on those matchups, we do need to talk about, you know, the regular season as a whole. It wrapped up. Packers went 13-4. and And there was a lot to really like and maybe some things that you wouldn't necessarily like as much um, with a team about to head into the playoffs. So... Terry Goldstein, Mm -hmm. what are some of your overarching thoughts from this regular season?
0: There are a couple. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's hard to really nitpick a team that won 13 games. um, And it's hard to look at the Packers and not think, okay, here's another team that's poised for a very deep playoff push. Um, but a few things that I think I'm taking out of this season, and I guess my mindset is like, what do they do differently this year that I hope that they continue to do? I think the first is just signing free agents throughout the entire season. I mean, Goot went out and got players in the offseason, very normal for that to happen. There were no big splash signings because they couldn't do that with the cap, but they they signed players from the offseason all the way through basically until um, kind of until the trade deadline. They haven't signed anybody really since, since then. But I mean, think about the players that they were able to, to gain. Um, they've been incredibly, incredibly impactful. And I think that speaks to obviously the front office, but just like the scouts and also the coaches who have given those players the ability to, um, like step up. Um, and that's the second thing about this team, which is that they have been riddled with injuries. This has not been the perfect season for the Packers like it was in 2019 or even in 2020. Like this is a team that has mm-hmm. lost tons of players and therefore has gained the ability to see what they have in their depth guys. And I think while that is such a, normally such a great thing, um, when you're going into an off season that is going to have a lot of change and turmoil given the lack of cap space um it's just a couple more decisions that the front office is gonna have to make but again i think it's more of a positive than anything that the packers have clearly a drafted and b gained free agents well because everybody has stepped up and filled in their role almost perfectly to the point where you didn't even notice the loss of the player that went down with with an injury um and yeah, the Packers are at 13 and four heading into the playoffs with the ability to get those players back um, and now have lots of really interesting decisions to make because they have so many depth guys that can contribute at such a high level. So lots of decisions that need to be made about players, but all f- coming from a, a good place.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, and something I personally hadn't thought too much about yet. It's just the idea that, you know, we've we've talked kind of this season about, you know, maybe Zadarius Smith is a a goner next season as far as cap space. And, you know, you're hoping that he can come back for the playoffs. So you have like lasting memories of him in a Packers uniform. But everything you're saying about getting a look at your depth guys and, you know, all of these financial decisions are going to matter so much more now, given the cap situation that the Packers are in. And if, you know, there's talks of maybe Aaron Rodgers staying with the team or Devante getting a well-earned extension to make him potentially the highest paid receiver. The money side of this does become, you know, a, a bigger question mark, but it is a kind of, or it is a cool glimpse to see some of those, those depth pieces in the way that they were asked to step up throughout the season. So I think the Packers are in, you know, you touched on it a really, interesting scenario right now where everybody's losing key pieces and you know Whitney Merciless today was back at practice for the first time after injuring his biceps against the Seahawks and it just felt like there was no way that he would potentially be able to return after an injury that's significant and he's back on the practice field so I think you know going through the roster Elton Jenkins Robert Tunyon and Kylan Hill are maybe the only Packers that will have you know the Packers will have lost for the entire season without having the potential to get them back, which is kind of insane when you think about, you know, just the way that this roster has been decimated all season. So I guess of the, the returning players, and you can include David Bakhtiari in this if you want, even though, and Josh Myers since they played in the regular season, is there some, Okay. I'm going to stop myself right now because I know who you're going to say, but is there a player you're most looking forward to returning or who you think will have the biggest impact at their respective position?
0: His name is Jair Alexander. That's why I stopped myself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look, I think all of
0: these players are going to be impactful to the Packers. And I mean that when I say like this provides both Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry with an insane amount of flexibility. And on top of that, These aren't players that are new. They know exactly what they have in a nine-year veteran in David Bakhtiari, a four, is this his fourth season, Jair Alexander? I think so. Fourth season, all pro cornerback. They're getting center Josh Myers, who I think will be interesting, but the offensive line is pretty, like you're not going to rotate in offensive linemen. You're just going to put Josh Myers in at center. But the reason I say that is, This isn't like a guessing game for the Packers on how to use these returning players. Randall Cobb, great example. Like these are players that Matt Lafleur and Joe Barry know exactly how to use and who other teams have zero tape on from this season. This is such a competitive advantage for this Packers team. Like it's the perfect blend of high end talent with zero film. Like this team can go put them out there and, use them exactly as they have in the past or use them in new and different ways and no opponent is going to know what to expect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. And I mean, you know, I was I was doing a write-up for Cheesehead TV about the six other NFC teams. And, you know, you're you're looking through their rosters and there's teams that potentially could get players back. But, like, let's look at the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins might be able to play, but that would be in the divisional round or the NFC Championship game if you make it that far. The Bucs are potentially getting back Leonard Fournette and Levante David if they can get past wildcard weekend, which, you know, arguably they should. They're playing the Eagles. But for the Packers to be in a position where they – you know, can enter the playoffs with all of their best pieces back instead of, you know, kind of playing the, well, if we win X amount of games, then we'll get some help. It's really significant to see just, you know, the way that these rosters are taking shape. Um, Did you have any other thoughts on the regular season as a whole, or do you want to talk about the coaching changes in the NFC North?
0: Um, I have a couple. I mean, I'm definitely curious what your holistic thoughts are on the season. Um, I think my last one is, Matt LaFleur's offense is so fun. And I know that there's a lot of talk about, oh, he has Aaron Rodgers and he has Devontae Adams, but I was actually reading something recently and I wish I remembered who wrote it because I would give them all the credit in the world. So if someone listening here read this as well and wants to let me know, that'd be great. Um, (laughs) I think it might have been Rob Domovsky's recent article about Matt LaFleur being a Coach of the Year candidate, but it was a quote from someone in an article saying, how a lot of the knock against Matt LaFleur as being potentially the coach of the year is because he has Aaron Rodgers. And that person who had this quote said, I actually completely disagree and would flip that on its head and say, imagine how difficult it is coming in as a new young head coach, trying to pair what you want to do with what this Hall of ba- first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback already knows how to do and has in his head and using all of his football IQ and marrying the two, it's not like you're getting a rookie that you get to mold into the image of the offense you want. There was like a lot of compromise and discussion and pairing of these two offensive minds to create what the Packers are doing on offense. And I just found that to be so poignant. And I hadn't thought about it like that at all. I'd always felt like It was a little bit of a cop-out to say, oh, he has Aaron Rodgers, because yes, his playbook is never ending with a guy who can do all the things that Aaron Rodgers can, but I'd never thought about it in that way. That actually could have been really difficult, because maybe what he wanted to do, Aaron Rodgers wasn't into, and maybe he didn't win him over in certain ways. And then you think about the 2019 season as this kind of hybrid model, like, you know, shifting them into this new Matt LaFleur offense. Then you look at what the Packers are doing on offense this season in 2021, and I know that they're not as high-flying as the 2020 Packers were, but they're still wildly successful. And Rodgers is, again, an MVP candidate with Matt LaFleur, who he wasn't playing that well with Mike McCarthy at the end, right? He's gotten him to buy into a new scheme that's actually allowed Aaron Rodgers at 37, 38 to showcase what he's still incredibly gifted at and allowed them to be contenders. And so I just like wanted to point that out because I thought that that was a really nice way of looking at it. And yes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what LaFleur can do with a young, you know, ready to be molded quarterback if that's Jordan Love or if that if that's somebody else once Rodgers leaves. Um, but the success that he had is not, um, it just shouldn't, I had to comment on it.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's, it's impressive too. You know, you really teed this up for me. So I appreciate that because my biggest takeaway from the season was just the growth and the maturity of Matt LaFleur as a head coach. And, you know, a lot of our holistic takeaways from the last couple seasons were, you know, if you looked at his, even his introductory presser when he was hired a couple of years ago and how timid he was and just, you know, even watching now his, his media interviews and the way that he conducts himself in pressers and the way that he, you know, handles the team and they're a player led team. I think this team is so poised to contend because of the growth of the coaching staff and the way that, you know, this team has been able to handle adversity. And a lot of this stuff happened, you know, the first year of Matt LaFleur's head coaching career I think the team could have imploded but because he's so mature now as a head coach and he does have leaders on the roster like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams it certainly helps but I think that was my biggest takeaway is you know we've seen the Packers have the best offense in football and it didn't ultimately get them to the Super Bowl we saw them have a really good bend don't break defense that didn't get them over the hump so I think the biggest hump for them this season was of course the loss of key players that now they're potentially getting back which is it should be scary for the rest of the NFC and it's why I have a really hard time I think looking at the NFC playoff picture rationally because I just think about how decimated some of these rosters are and all the challenges they've overcome and I feel like the Packers biggest obstacle all season has been themselves and if they have been able to overcome all of those hurdles there's not really a team I see at this point that you know, would be able to get in front of what they've already had to overcome, you know, in-house in their own locker room. Cheers to
0: the new year and to making resolutions you actually keep. Have you added self-care to your routine? Our sponsors at Manscaped have the perfect tools to help keep you and your significant other clean and tidy this year. Manscaped tools for his jewels are so good, you'll want them for yourself. The lawnmower 4.0 is all you'll need for his balls and your bikini line. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com and use code PWSS20 for 20% off and free shipping.
1: I'm ready for a new year, new me with the best in below-the-waist grooming. This year, take your routine to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed with skin safe technology to reduce cuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000 LED spotlight that will shine a light on your diamonds. His 2022 grooming routine isn't complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of his body and are a big boost to his confidence in the new year. To complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep your goodies stored comfortably. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code PWSS20. Cheers to self-care in 2022.
0: At 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PWSS20. New year, no pubes, 2022 with Manscaped. Let's actually go into wildcard weekend. And then I think we can talk about some of the coaching changes um, at the end of the episode, because I think that speaks to, I, I think you'd be surprised I actually disagree. And I think it may be history that's clouding the way that I feel. Like I'm definitely a little bit jaded because we have watched the Packers lose in so many NFC championship games in the past that I try not to um, downplay the difficulty of some of their opponents, right? Like there is Tom Brady, who's just Tom Brady. And the Bucks are definitely not the powerhouse that I think – They were last season, Um, but it's just, it's Tom Brady. Like, I think that's all you can say about it. Right. And it's still Bruce Arians and a very good offense and a very good defense. And I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the league and um, they proved that they could already win right at Lambeau. So um, I certainly have a lot of respect for the Bucks if that ends up being the NFC ch- Championship game again, <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about the Cowboys as well. I think those two teams, in my eyes, are the biggest challenges for the Packers, and I, I know that the Cowboys have one of the best defenses heading into the playoffs. I think this Packers offense can beat almost any defense. Uh, you know, we've seen them like completely mitigate. Aaron Donald and Von Miller and we've seen them go up against that Bears front and there's not that many defenses that strike fear into my heart that this offense can't go up against it's the Cowboys offense that I think will be like the biggest test for the Packers defense and the Packers defense has shown that they can go up and shut down some of the top quarterbacks in the league so I think that they're fully capable but Dak and Co, even without Michael Gallup are on a hot streak right now. And Dak is playing like super lights out. Um, So I think that those two, and I think especially, right, you do have Mike McCarthy who does know how to play at Lambeau and does know Aaron Rodgers, right? And so there's some historic knowledge that he has that a lot of other coaches don't. Again, I think the Packers are fully capable of beating that team, but those are my two biggest contenders against the Packers to make it to the big game. So definitely going to be watching those games more closely this weekend. Now you said it, the Bucks are playing the Eagles, fairly mismatched, but also the Eagles took it to them this mm-hmm. earlier this season. Um, and I think that the 49ers going to play Dallas is a huge game. I mean, the 49ers are, I think their only weakness is their quarterback, and they have a very good defense. So it's gonna be an interesting one if they happen to knock the Cowboys out um but I think yeah at the end of the day those are the two teams that I'd be a little afraid if they're coming up to Lambeau for NFC championship game
1: yeah we talked about this on pack a day and it was you know which team would you most like to face in the divisional round and I kind of felt or which team would you least like to face as well so two sides of that and to me it was really like the Bucks and the Cowboys, which they can't face until the NFC championship game anyway. But for, for the same reasons that you listed the Mike McCarthy dynamic, you know, I, I loved him as a person, but the fact that he does know Aaron Rodgers as well as he does, and he does know Lambeau and he knows the fans, I think, you know, it's really interesting and there's going to be a ton of different narratives about that game already, but that might be the biggest mismatch to me as far as teams that you wouldn't want to see. But you know, the 49ers, I think have a pretty good shot. I've, I was talking about this on Pack-A-Day a little bit. I personally don't like division games happening in the playoffs, and I say that as somebody who watched the Packers beat the Bears in the NFC Championship game, and it was like the, my favorite game ever. Um, but I just don't like when teams play three times. So it's kind of funny that three of the four teams that the Packers will have to play in the divisional round or could have to play are teams that they already saw and took care of in the regular season. Um, but I guess, you know, you, you might be in the same boat here that I, ideally we'd see the Eagles come to Lambeau Field because, you know, then that eliminates the greatest threat. Um, I think the the Cinderella story for the Packers this year would be for the Niners to come in the divisional round and the Bucs to come in the championship and then the Packers to see, I don't even know, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I don't know who would round out that uh, that Super Bowl uh, or that Cinderella story, but you're writing a storybook fairy tale. Um,
0: yeah, I, I agree with you. Not that I wouldn't want to see the Packers play the Cardinals or the Rams. Cause I think again, like every matchup is different. It's a very, not to use a cliche, like every every, any given Sunday, right. Teams are different every time you see them. Um, but I don't love the repeat because again, like we just touched on, there's just it's like this idea of like, you have the film and you can make adjustments on what each other did. Um, in the previous matchup, but I think that the Rams or the Cardinals coming to Lambeau for the divisional round is a great matchup for the Packers. And um, I mean, we watched the Packers beat the Rams in the divisional round last year. So um, that could be more heartbreak for them. <laughs> different, It's a different quarterback.
1: Yeah. And I mean, <sighs> There's a there's a storyline that goes along with every team, right? And it's it's always every, any given Sunday, play your best football. Like I saw something, I think the, the 49ers are like eight and one if they turn the ball over once or no times, and then two and six if they turn it over twice. But that's most teams, right? That's like the, the cliche of football, protect the football and win games. So there's a lot that goes into this. And, you know, there's Debo and Cooper Cup, and there's some really good singular players. But I think if you look at kind of the roster makeups as a whole – it's going to come down to coaching to me and the environment. And that's why I would be more concerned about Bruce Arians coming to town than I maybe would Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay.
0: I was thinking the same exact thing. I think when it comes down to it, if you're looking at the coaching matchup, Matt O'Fleur out coaches Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay like nine out of 10 times.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So in terms of, yeah, so I guess those are the four potential teams the Packers could see in the wild card round. It's, or sorry, in the divisional round. It's Eagles, if they happen to beat the Bucks, that's the team that will go to Lambeau. Um, next would be the 49ers, if they beat the Cowboys. Um, and then the winner, most likely, it will be the winner of the Cardinals and the Rams game. But you know what? The playoffs are wild. So. <laughs> Anything could happen. I mean, Taylor Heineke almost took down the bucks last season in the wild card round. So you really never know. Um, is there anything else that you're looking for this weekend that you like kind of have your eye on?
1: Honestly, to me, it's more I'm more intrigued by the AFC. And I probably shouldn't say that as a Packers fan that should be invested in the outcome of the NFC. But some of the matchups in the AFC are just like really fun to me, even though there's Bill's Pats, which again, I don't love division games. In the playoffs, but the Chiefs, you know, it feels like they can just kind of scratch off this first round. The Steelers arguably should not have made the playoffs in general, even though that's them's the rules. I understand how they got in there, but Raiders Bengals to me feels like a sneaky, fun game that could be closer than maybe people are expecting. That's the game actually I'm most looking forward to all weekend.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I would rather see Justin Herbert in the playoffs without even like, that's my answer without blinking over Big Ben and the Steelers. That's just some loophole something <laughs> went wrong here. We, we all met, we collectively messed up here um, to allow this to happen, but I'm feeling great about the Packers chances for all the reasons that we've discussed. And it must feel really good for a team. That's hoping to get all the players that we've listed back to have that bye week. Um, Sounds like Aaron Rodgers' toe is like basically fully healed, which is really good. Um, Not that it seemed to have affected his play on the field all that much the last couple of weeks, um, as Eli Manning so uh, astutely pointed out on the Manning cast. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. I would love to be a fly on the wall for – whatever team has to go and play the Packers in the divisional round, like trying to prep for this game.
1: Yeah. And I thought this was kind of interesting and, you know, feel free to touch on this. I don't know if it makes too much of a difference, but on pack a day, you know, Jacob had mentioned that one of his qualms about, I don't personally, I don't love the Monday night football game for wildcard weekend. I would have rather had three games on Saturday, three on Sunday, especially because it feels like that team likely is going to be the team playing the packers so you wouldn't want the divisional round game for them to fall on saturday because monday to saturday is a really short week for the playoffs so the packers will probably end up playing on sunday but either way you know if you think about it his point was you let's say the bucks win and the Cowboys win. Well, they already know who they're playing in the divisional round. The Packers have to wait an extra day to do any of their prep work. So do you think there's any type of like strategic advantage or disadvantage to the way that Wild Card Weekend is set up? Or do you like Monday night? Because I just, I don't know if I like it. I think I'd rather have everything on Saturday and Sunday. I hate Monday night. I think it's
0: completely unfair to the Rams and the Cardinals. Just absolutely puts them at such a disadvantage. And I'm saying that as someone who like, if they end up playing the Packers, great. They they have a competitive disadvantage against the team that I want to win, but I still hate it as a fan yep. who likes even playing fields. Um, so I think that competitive disadvantage um, kind of cancels out the the one less day of prep. My thought process with that, I actually didn't even thought about that, Maggie. So it's a really good point. I'm imagining that if the Bucks and the Cowboys win over the weekend, Matt LaFleur is using that extra day to start his prep on both teams on Monday, regardless yeah. of who wins. I know that he's probably starting to scout. He's probably already scouting out all the teams <laughs> that he could possibly go yeah. up against. So I'm not sure that there's like too much to that, but I do think it is a really interesting point. I just think that they're. It's way, way more at a disadvantage for either the Rams or the Cardinals because it's not just they have an extra or one less day of prep. They've got all that wear and tear on their bodies without the extra day of rest. And that to me is just wrong.
1: Yeah, and I mean, outside of, of course, you know, as a Packers podcast, we are, of course, rooting for the Packers to get to the Super Bowl and win it. But there's something about some of these matchups, too, that could be on deck. Like, thinking about the Bucs and the Cowboys, that was one of the best games of the season, and it was the 2021 regular season opener on Thursday Night Football. So to think about the Cowboys and Bucks playing, how close that game was, and that one of their seasons will end in the divisional round if these two teams play Again, it's a storybook, Barry. What can I say? We're just writing fairy tales. Wow, over here. I remember
0: that game. Dak <laughs>
1: Didn't Dak Prescott throw like over 50 passes in his first
0: game back in like a year? And I was like, get that man an ice back. Yeah, it was such a good game. It was a really good way to kick off the 2021 season for sure. Oh, this has been a long season, man. Um, okay, so wild card weekend, obviously, really exciting. I personally can't believe it's the playoffs already. It blows you know. my mind. Um, I don't want to think about the offseason. I hate when there's no football on. It makes me sad. But let's take the last couple minutes to talk about all the changes that have happened in the NFC North. Because while the Packers are all buttoned up and um, looking towards the playoffs, looking towards the Super Bowl, have a potential coach of the year candidate, have a potential executive of the year candidate, the rest of the NFC North is falling apart. And it's basically the meme of the girl – with the smirk on her face and the fire behind her, like that's what the Packers are with the rest of the NFC North right now. Um, and I say that like, not even to be like sarcastic and funny. It just like is really sadly true. So both the Vikings and the bears have fired both their head coach and their GM. So they are in search of both of those. Actually the lions are the only other ones that are pretty, steady at the moment yeah. with Dan Campbell and having locked up the second pick of the draft. And I honestly think the lions look really, I hate to say this because I'm sure lions fans hear this all the time, but poised to make somewhat of a turnaround in the 2022 season. I, I just feel like Dan Campbell has been somewhat of a missing piece for this team in terms of energy and leadership and having these guys really fight it out till the end. Um, I'm really rooting for the Lions. Not to say that about a division rival, but they haven't been a rival in so long that rooting for them.
1: But like, I, yes. No, I was going to say, I agree. I think he was, you know, if if you're looking at a holistic culture change, it wasn't um, Matt Patricia. I couldn't even think of his name. It was not Matt Patricia. He was not going to come in and be the guy. Dan Campbell fits the mold entirely. And I think, you know, the way that fa- the the players in general have rallied around him, it's, it could be a good couple of years for the lions, but you know, again, you said it, we've said that a lot. So who knows?
0: Yeah. We've said that about the Lions before, but agreed. I'm, I, I like Dan Campbell. I find him very easy to root for. Um, so Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace out uh, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer out. I mean what next for both of these franchises
1: as fans of the Packers I hate it because I think that they were never going to be entirely successful with the pieces that they had you know for both respective teams so I think Mike Zimmer is going to get another shot somewhere I don't necessarily believe that Mike Zimmer was the entire problem you know with the Vikings organization um so you know I don't know if he'll go be a DC somewhere but I think Mike Zimmer is going to stick around for a while. But yeah, if the Bears get somebody competent in there with Justin Fields, that's not fun. Um,
0: I think the here's my issue though. Here's my here's my issue with that though. And I've I've started to I've come to this realization, I think, more wholeheartedly this season. I've always kind of felt this way, but I'm seeing it more with like patterns of watching all of these coaches turnover and quarterback turnover, and you bring in all these new regimes. I think at the end of the day, and the Washington football team is a perfect example of this, if your ownership, so the tippy-tippy top, the person who's really calling all the shots, is bad, bad teams stay bad. You can bring in the best coach in the world. You can bring in what could potentially be a Hall of Fame franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. But if the Hallises can't get their shit together and actually like make... Any kind of educated, positive football decisions, it doesn't matter who they bring in under them. The guys who pay the bills and the guys who call the shots are going to keep these teams bad. So that's how I feel about the Bears. And I don't even mean that as like a dig to this like rivalry. I don't feel that way about the Bears. I have a lot of respect for the Bears and their franchise and the history of it. I'd love to see them good again. I'd love to see Justin Fields succeed. I think I've been rooting for him Since college, but I just really feel like the Maras and the Giants, like there are all these examples you're seeing now. The Texans just fired David Cully after he brought magic to a franchise that everyone thought of as an XFL team this season. And Davis Mills played like lights out for a rookie and they fired him. And I just think bad teams stay bad when you make decisions like that.
1: Yeah. No, I think those are all really valid points. And, you know, the ownership is a a really good example of that, regardless of, you know, how good the supporting cast is. So I think part of that, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. It's interesting now that Matt LaFleur has become the longest tenured head coach in the NFC North when he's only been there for three seasons, but yeah, lots of change and potentially some changes for the Packers coaching staff as well with Nathaniel Hackett getting his opportunities. I think he's interviewed for three or four spots at this point, or will have after this weekend, even Luke Getze getting some looks. So even if the Packers are able to elevate guys like Adam Senovich in house to maybe an OC role, still some change on the horizon for the Packers, even though they're not necessarily looking for a head coach an offensive coordinator is a pretty big role and responsibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. Um, I think that I'm not surprised at all that Hackett's finally getting his due after year three with Matt LaFleur um, and Rogers. i not surprised about Luke Getzey at all. I honestly think anybody tied to Rogers LaFleur right now should be looked at for these leadership responsibilities. Um, so very excited for those guys. I especially, especially love, and I guess this is just a Matt LaFleur appreciation podcast, but especially love the way that he views and handles providing those opportunities to his coordinators and his staff. Um, That was a really, really great. And for anyone who didn't hear it, he essentially said, you know, I wish the best for the guys in my, in my locker room and I will never block them from going to interview for a job. And that, that creates sort of a bad environment. And he wants, that's not what a leader does was essentially what he said. And I completely agree. And I understand where that's coming from. Obviously, that's a guy who is the Titan who worked his way up through the system and now is a head coach and understands the way that this business works. So I did love that sentiment from him.
1: Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, I would like to congratulate you on our uh, weekly picks that we were doing all season. Uh, you edged me out by three points or oh, three wow. games. So that's exciting. You had 162 and 103, and I had 159 and 106. Um, and then going can back you and look
0: if there was a if there was a bet or a prize on this.
1: I don't know if we ever did. We can go back and listen to the episode, but um, I think it was just bragging rights.
0: I think I'm okay with the moral victory, and I'm not. Gonna <laughs>
1: do You're not going to ice me. I appreciate that. I um, for the division winners, I got six out of or six of eight. You took five of eight. Um, it's kind of laughable now that we both took Washington. <laughs> embarrassing. Um, and we both took the Browns uh, for the AFC North. But then uh, our one disagreement was uh, I had the Rams and you had the 49ers. So that hey, I was close. You were. That was a, made a push. They really did. I mean, the fact that there's three representatives from the NFC West in the NFC playoff picture right now says a lot about that division. And I'm not going to be surprised when Russell Wilson leaves in 2022 and goes play somewhere else uh, where there's not as much competition. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: um well that was fun I again will say this until February I can't believe the season is um is where it's at I can't believe it's over
1: I know it was fun so I guess you know the the lasting impression here is really cherish this and that sounds cliche and you should cherish every football season but this team is special there's something about it and whether it ends in a Super Bowl or not A lot of these players probably aren't going to be back next season, which is sad to think about. So don't think about it yet. Just Mm -hmm. cherish, you know, the number of games that this team has left um, because it really was a special season for a number of reasons. And the fact that we're still getting to see football games during a pandemic, I think, has been a little bit of brevity in an otherwise really stressful environment and situation. So
0: could not have said it better myself. Um, (laughs) So get Ready. For Wild Card Weekend, Packers fans get to sit back and relax and enjoy some free football and watch who the Packers are going to take on in Divisional Round. Um, we will not have a live show on Monday. Maggie and I also get a bye week, and we will be back with our preview on next week on who the Packers will play in the Divisional Round. So look out for that episode, as always. Follow us on Twitter at Perry Goldstein, at Maggie J. Loney, at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, at Packs What She Said on Instagram and (laughs) Twitch. And go, Pack Go. Go, Pack Go.